Little Follies, My Mother Takes a Tumble, Chapter 2 begins. Dear Miss Strong, I can't begin to tell you how much your ad in the Hargrove Daily News moved me. I would like very much to correspond to you, for I understand your needs, as I too have needs that are, I'm sure, quite similar. Let me tell you something about myself. I am considered quite handsome and am in the peak of health and quite generously endowed and very virile. I find that I am shy with women because I think that I'm not what they are looking for, since I am a good and decent sort, and such men are not in demand so much as the other sort is, the fast and brassy sort, as I'm sure you know from bitter experience, no doubt. But you see, it all works out for the best, because here is a lonely guy who is shy and who wants to cheer you up. In your ad, you said, lovely young woman. Or did you write lonely, and the Daily News made a mistake, as they so often do, not only in their spelling, but in their editorial positions, and printed lovely? Or maybe you are both, because a lovely woman can be lonely through no fault of her own, I know. I can imagine what you look like. I mean that I know what a lovely, lonely woman looks like. For example, the woman who waits for the bus to Babington each morning on the bench in front of Louise's coffee shop. On cold mornings, she wears a blue cloth coat that's frayed at the cuffs and hides what I am sure is a breathtaking figure. In her eyes, I can see certain yearnings that could easily be misunderstood by the wrong sort of man, as I'm sure I could see in your eyes, too, if I were with you and could look into them. On many mornings, I've thought of talking to her. I mean, saying something more than just good morning, which, of course, I say just out of politeness, because that's the way I am, even if only to say chin up, but I've thought that I would sound like a man of the other sort who lounges on a street corner all day, when in fact I am a hard worker with a good job that I for one think is important to do, selling insurance. But it's sad work, because a man who sells insurance is always thinking about death. And so I say to you, chin up. Now you have a friend to correspond to. Please write to me soon and tell me something about your circumstances and also your youth and loveliness. Your new friend, John Simpson, Assistant District Manager. Dear Mr. John Simpson, Oh, what a beautiful morning it is. Though the sky is gray and the wind whistles through the gaps around the door of the little hovel in which my unfortunate circumstances force me to live, for me the sun is shining and I'm sitting in a modest but comfortable house, which is all I would ever want, since I don't need a castle or any of the trappings of wealth to make me happy. The sun shines for me 
because I'm holding your letter, which arrived this morning, and I knew even from the sound of the letter falling to the floor when the mailman pushed it through the slot that it was going to be a sunny day. And so I slipped out of the tub and went at once to pick it up with only a small towel around me which barely hid the gifts that nature has bestowed on me so generously that I blush to think of my reflection in the mirror on my closet door when I stand and look at myself in the candlelight for a while before I slip into bed. I lay in the tub for, I'm ashamed to admit, nearly an hour reading and rereading your letter, John, and whispering your name, John, John, while I ran my sponge over myself in a transport of bliss. For me, your letter is the beginning of a new life. We will, I know, be the best and most constant of friends. I feel that we already are. You have been here with me in your wonderful letter for only a morning, and already I feel that I can tell you so much that I've never told another soul, including a little, just a little, of the painful story of lust and shame and betrayal that has made me a recluse, unwilling to show myself to the world though not because of any disfigurement or lack of beauty, for it would be false modesty for me to say that I am not what the Daily News accidentally said I am, although, who knows, maybe some higher power made them make that mistake, to say what I could not have said myself, that I am, yes, lovely. There, I've said it. And I'm glad I've said it to you, though there are times when I wish that I were plain, because that very loveliness that should be a joy to me is a burden that you who are not a woman cannot know, though I think you can understand it from what you rightly said about that other sort. You'll think I'm odd, but when I began dressing, I put your letter under my pillow for modesty's sake. But then, while I was looking in my closet for something pretty to wear on this very special day, and choking back the tears because nothing there was suitable, I said to myself, oh, this is silly. I don't have to be ashamed in front of John. And so I propped your letter up on my dresser right in plain sight. Well, I never did find anything suitable to wear for you. Some of my things are torn. Torn by brutish, forceful hands, John. The hands of a forceful brute. Hands that I still feel sometimes in terrible dreams, grabbing and tearing at my clothes, pawing me, grasping forcefully and brutishly at my... Not yet. Not yet. In time, I will be able to write everything for you. Everything. Everything. 
and you will lift some of the shame from me, somehow cleanse me of the oils left by his fingers when he touched me, maybe by using cotton balls and some witch hazel, but not yet, not yet. If only I could afford to buy something very special to wear when I read your letters, something clean, something that isn't stained by the past, something lovely like some silk underwear, which I could probably get for about $25. Oh, John, I've exhausted myself. There's high color in my cheeks from the joy of having you and the shame of the things I can't yet tell you. Write to me, write to me. Your grateful friend, Mary Strong.